0: Section 11 of The Kidnapping of President Lincoln and Other War Detective Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Antrim, Northern Ireland, situated in the northeast of the island of Ireland. The Kidnapping of President Lincoln and Other War Detective Stories by Joel Chandler Harris. Part 2. Now, one of those gentlemen was Mr. Philip Doyle of whom we have heard and the other was mr william webb the accomplished officer who had fallen into conversation with our old friend sanders in the dining-room of the new york hotel mr doyle had a fair reputation with his superiors for energy and sagacity but mr webb was the pride of the secret service bureau and he was very ambitious moreover he was almost as intensely devoted to the cause of the union as mr stanton No fatigue was too great for him to undergo in the performance of his duties. He had a clear head and high courage, and all his faculties were keenly developed. When Mr. Doyle came up from the South, Webb was naturally the first person he sought out, after reporting to his chief. He had worked with Webb and liked him, and, while in the South, had been under Webb's direction. The trouble with Doyle was that he set too much store by his personal ambition. He was for the Union, of course but first and foremost he was for mr philip doyle therefore instead of laying the information he had before the chief of the bureau he kept it to himself until he find an opportunity to consult with webb the temptation which the situation presented to the latter was not as strong perhaps as it was in the case of mr doyle but it existed it would be a great stroke if he with doyle should be the means of unearthing the conspiracy against the government and arresting the man who was responsible therefor Have you the documentary proof in your possession? Mr. Webb asked Doyle at their private consultation. It is very important to have that. It is easy enough to arrest men promiscuously, as has been done on too many occasions. What we want is the actual proof. For answer, Mr. Doyle took from the breast pocket of his coat a package of papers and handed them to his companion, who examined them very carefully. If you think that settles it, Webb said with a smile. "'Wouldn't it be best to lay these documents before the chief, get an order for a provost's guard, and make an end of the matter? "'And when that is done, where would the credit lie?' Mr. Doyle inquired. "'Why, with the brewery, of course,' was the response. "'But if we undertake it, and carry it out successfully, what then?' "'That is true,' said Mr. Webb. "'You are sure you have said nothing of this to anyone else?' "'Why, I haven't had time to think about it until now,' Mr. Doyle declared i hoped to make a big strike by the arrest of the fellows who were plotting to kidnap mr lincoln but you know what a failure that was i do indeed replied mr webb altogether it is the most peculiar case i ever heard of i have been trying to unravel it to my satisfaction but the more i think about it the more mysterious it becomes and then there's that chap autry he has resigned and gone south with bethune and the old buffoon well Autry is a southern man, you know, and the people down there, or the most of them, act on principles that are dim to me, remarked Mr. Doyle. But about this case of ours, what shall we do about it? Can't you get a signed order for the arrest of this man? Oh, there's no difficulty about the order of arrest. Such orders are thick as leaves on the trees, replied Mr. Webb. I am well acquainted with the head waiter of the New York Hotel. If he is the man we want, there can be no difficulty about arresting him. He is rather a shrewd man he sees through all my disguises without trouble but i judge from his face that he was once an actor and that he has some weakness which has prevented him from following his profession that's the way i've sized him up a more amiable man i have never met and he seems to know how to hold his tongue now the character of work that has been mapped out at the new york hotel and successfully carried out by the confederate agents would never be in the hands of a man willing to accept a menial position Take the case as it stands. Why should a man capable of such work desire to figure in a position that is, at least, servile? All he has to do is to lock himself in a room, and his whereabouts would never be suspected. But here are the documents, Mr. Doyle insisted. True, replied Webb, but how do you know these very documents were not intended to mislead? You must remember that the business we are engaged in requires considerable headwork. We must never underrate the abilities of an opponent. That a very shrewd and shifty man is doing the secret service work for the rebels is very evident to me. It is likely that his name and object would be spread out on the records in Richmond. Now, I think not. But they were not spread out as you call it, said Doyle. They were in a very safe place, and it was only by accident that they came into my hands. There is another fact to be taken into consideration, pursued Webb. He was very fond of his theories and very happy, as he supposed, in inventing them. The reader will admit, too, that his deductions were logical. Another fact, and a very important one, he repeated, and then paused. What is it? inquired Doyle. Why, the general character of the southern people, and the peculiar characteristics of a southern man capable of managing a secret service bureau in the heart of the enemy's country. I know something of these people, but you know more. Now I ask you again. Is it at all likely that a man who is in a position to command men, would stoop to flourish a towel and usher guests to their seats in a public dining-room? Why, such service would leave a bad taste in my mouth, and in yours. This being the case, how would it affect the pride of our friend, the enemy? Still, Doyle was going on to repeat his belief in the records he had abstracted, but Webb interrupted him. I'm only trying to prepare you for the inevitable, he said. I'm going with you, and I propose to act just as if I placed as much confidence in these documents as you do. More than that, if we succeed, the credit shall all be placed to your account. If we fail, I'll share the failure with you. I am simply trying to show you that what is true must be reasonable. But if we fail, suggested Doyle, no one need know about it. True enough, responded Webb, but I'll know it, and you'll know it. That is the reason I have been at some pains to give you my views on the subject. The head waiter's name is McCarthy. That much I am certain of and your documents say that an inquiry for mccarthy means an inquiry for the chief of the bureau in new york well we'll try our hands if we fail, well and good mr doyle was careful not to produce his list of active agents and clerks of the bureau he kept this for his own use hoping to bring himself still more prominently to the attention of his superiors by arresting the agents and clerks one at a time he had mapped out a very successful programme in his mind and saw himself advanced in the line of promotion until he became famous all over the world his professional pride as such was devoted wholly to his own advancement whereas mr webb with less energy rather liked his work and when one of his theories turned out to be the true one he rejoiced over it as the artist does who makes a happy stroke with his brush The two men took the night train for New York, where they arrived at an early hour, and were driven at once to the New York hotel. They secured a room and were soon in the dining room. A head waiter was on hand, but he was not McCarthy. Presently Mr. Webb called the man and asked for McCarthy. Why, I think he is ill, sir, but the gentleman in the office can tell you more about it. I was suddenly called to take his place yesterday, and I heard someone say he was ill. The man who brought their breakfast had practically the same report to make. He had heard that the former head waiter was ill. He was not sure, but he thought it was a sudden attack of inflammatory rheumatism. At the office the gentlemanly clerk was cool, but polite. He had not heard of McCarthy's absence or illness, but the evidence should be at hand. He searched a while, and was about to dismiss the gentleman, when, as it seemed, a thought struck him. "'Wait,' he said, snapping his finger.' Impatiently, I believe I've been looking over the wrong file hook. In five minutes, he came across a note from a physician stating that the head waiter was ill at his home two three one, play avenue, Brooklyn. Inflammatory rheumatism, be unable to report for duty for several days, perhaps for several weeks. So the clerk interpreted the scrawl spread out over the face of the certificate. Mr. Webb wrote the name of the street and the number in his memorandum book, and shortly afterward, as we have seen, engaged a cab to take his companion and himself to the house. End of section 11